Glorify you, oh Lord. We glorify you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. 
come to bless him. Lord, we bless you in this place, Lord. For there's none like you, O oh God. Almighty, righteous King, we lift you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We praise you, O oh Lord. We bless you, Lord. Let's bless him together, church. Let praise be a weapon that silences the enemy. Oh, let praise be a weapon that conquers all anxiety. Let it rise. Let praise arise. We sing your name in the dark and it changes everything. Oh, we sing with all we are and we claim your victory.
Hallelujah. This is what living looks like. This is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. We praise you. We praise you. This is what living looks like. This is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. We praise you. We praise you. This is what living looks like. This is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. We praise you. We praise you. This is what living looks like. This is what freedom feels like. This is what Whatever thing is going on, praise can bring the victory. You don't have to wait for an altar call. You don't have to wait for him to call your name. You don't have to hear, wait for Jesus to call your name. Praise can bring the victory. This is what living looks like. This is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. We praise you. We praise you. And this is what living looks like. This is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. We praise you. We praise you. This is what living looks like. This is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. We praise you. We praise you. This is what living looks like. This is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. We praise you. We praise you.
Praise the Lord. Could somebody give Jesus a hand clap of praise today in this house? Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, God's good, isn't he? Praise the Lord. I want to make just a couple announcements, and I'm going to get right into the sermon this morning. And uh, that is on October the 18th and October the 25th. We're going to have our potential children's pastors. They will be here for the next two Sundays. And we will, kids will bring face masks. Also, we'll have hand sanitizing stations. Um, volunteers will wear protective coverings. Uh, when in close proximity with the kids, that means either they'll have on a face mask or they have on a shield for their protection. Kind of doing what the schools are doing is kind of what we're patterning after. After those couple weeks, we'll take a couple Sundays off to regroup and, and to continue moving forward. So we're excited about that. So please, on the 18th and 25th, have your kids here. I promise you, they do not want to miss it. Now, what I need from the congregation, some of you have already volunteered. Thank you for that. But if you have not volunteered and you're interested in helping in the daycare or either in any children's ministry that's in junior and also in upper um, kids ministry, please let us know. Call the office this week. Matter of fact, for you that have Facebook on our private page, we've already put up something there. And you can go and just click the one that you can help with and we'll get up with you. And you won't even have to get off, get, uh, get with us. So we'll, we'll take care of that. want to also make another announcement. We've got payoff commitment cards at the back. We, when COVID came, we kind of let down on this. Just kind of dropped it because there's a lot going on. But as you walk out of your doors on the left and on the right, and we're going to start pushing this a little more in the weeks ahead, many of you made commitments a while back. Several of you actually gave a $1,000 one-time commitment. Thank you for that. There's others that have committed to so much a week. I don't care if it's a dollar. I don't care if it's $5, $10, whatever they could afford. But they filled out those commitment cards, and they've been given extra to the building fund. So to everybody that is doing that for phase one, I want to say thank you for your giving first off. Secondly, if you want to be a part of that ministry, please grab a card on the way out, fill it out, drop it in the, in the offering baskets back there. And we would greatly appreciate it. We're ready to get this stuff finished. This is just phase one. We're ready to go to phase two. There's other things that need done in the church. I'm excited about it. One of those are the pews that you're sitting on. I had somebody tell me the other day they sat in a pew and it was getting a little shaky, all right? And so I said, well, I don't want you to fall out the thing. But we've got a lot we've got to do to upkeep God's house. Don't you love God's house looking beautiful? Don't you think we should keep up God's property? So with your help and your giving, we're able to do that. So first off, thank you for that. Secondly, if you want a payoff commitment card today, I would love for you to grab one of those on the way out. Miss Pauline needs special prayer today. Also, Miss Joyce Harless is in the hospital with some conditions. Let's pray for Miss Joyce and for her family. And also, as many of you may have heard on the prayer chain, my sister-in-law had a baby, sweet Ava Reese. We were so proud to have her here. However, unbeknowing to the doctors, when she was born, she had a heart defect that they did not see in any ultrasounds or anything. It's called TGA. It's a transposition, which simply means in layman's terms that the pulmonary artery and the aorta artery are flipped upside down. They're backwards. And so in surgery, they have to literally move those to the right valve in order for her body to get the oxygen that she needs. So she's been transported to Charleston, MUSC. And so they're taking good care of her there. I told them we have a week for a miracle. There's some things you could not deny if God did it. These are one of those times that if, if, if God did a miracle, there would be nobody that could doubt it. And so please be in prayer with us this week. If, if God doesn't perform a miracle, she will undergo heart surgery this week. So let's pray that God would be with my niece, my sister-in-law's baby. Pray for them as well. They're taking it very, very hard. So we're believing God to bring a miracle there for us. If you have your Bibles this morning, let's go to Hebrew. I want to talk about faith. 
in the present tense. In Hebrews chapter 11, and I want to begin with verse 1, and I want to read through verse 6. Could everybody stand today for the reading of the word? I used to do that. Now faith is the substance of things that are hoped for. It is the evidence of things that are not seen. See, faith isn't faith if you can see it. Faith is only faith when you can't see it. Somebody ought to say amen. That's what faith is. He says, by, for, it, for, it, for by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. By faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts. And through it, being dead, still speaks. By faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death. And was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. What a testimony to have. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You may be seated in the presence of God today. Time doesn't have to be spent convincing most people of the message of faith. We all know about faith. We've preached about it. We've sang about it for many, many years there's an abundance of teachings on it. There's many principles in our doctrine. We have a doctrine that's called the statement or the doctrine of our faith. We often talk about faith. I often preach on the subject of faith. However, it is something that too often, regardless of how much we preach on it, regardless of how much we teach about it, regardless of how much we sing about it, so often we fail to apply faith to our lives. But God is wanting us today to apply faith to our lives. And that is what my goal is today. That by the time we leave this service, that there's not one person in this house that the faith of God has not risen up in your heart, believing that to him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all, that we should ask or think. To some people, faith is something that will be out in the future whenever it is needed. Or it is sometimes relegated to the past where it worked for someone else. Or we saw a miracle that God did for somebody else, but He didn't do it for us. This is relegated to our past. We must bring faith to the, to the present. We must understand that, that faith sometimes, we may bring it from the past. We bring it out of the future into the present. Or it will never work in our lives. And I want to talk on that subject for just a few minutes. When we read about Hebrews here, he writes something in this phrase. It's a positive sense. For he says, now faith is the substance of things that are hoped for. Now when you read and find what the definition of the word substance means, it means that you literally have something on which you can stand. What, what Miss Angie just sang about to us, the rock, lead me to the rock, which shows us a firm foundation. Can I tell somebody today that we do not have a sure foundation in this world? Can I tell somebody that when you look at Washington, D.C., we do not have a sure foundation in Washington. We do not have a sure foundation in politics. Oftentimes in our own personal lives, we think we have sure footing only to find that that stuff around us crumbles. But there is one sure foundation that we do have that we can always stand on. And that is on God's Word. And God's Word, it doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter what you're dealing with. God's Word has a way of always speaking to you in your situation. It does not matter if it's sickness. There's so many scriptures in the Bible that talk about by His stripes we are healed. There's so many things that talk about faith and believing. There's so many things when we think of the lost loved ones. You may have lost children. You can go to the story of the 
the prodigal son and see that even though he wandered and he went to the, to the hog pen and he's eating from the corn husk, even in that moment, God brought him out of that. God saved him. God changed his life, brought him back to the Father's house better than ever. So we can find power and authority and anointing and we can find whatever we have need of in God's Word. Is there anybody in this building that is grateful for the Word of God? The scripture teaches us that we do not have faith in faith. <clears throat> Our faith comes from the word of God. We do not have faith in the word itself. We have faith in what God has already said. That is why we cannot have faith in what a man says. Because men say a lot of things. Men will tell you things, they'll lie to you. But what God has spoken in his word is a sure foundation. And that is why when I get to a position in my life that I need God to do something and I need Him to do it now. I open up my Bible because I don't want to know what you're saying to me. I don't want to know what I'm saying to myself. What I need to know is what is God saying to me through His book. See, there's often times that we are waiting for a word from the Lord. If God would just speak to me. If God would come down from heaven and show me His will, oh, I'll do it. But what God wants us to do is open up His book and understand understand that many things that we're seeking the answer for, God has already spoken them in Genesis to Revelation. It's already there. So all we have to do is believe that that is a firm foundation. We have to get to the place in faith that we say, if God said it, then God is going to do it. See, faith declares the just shall live by faith alone. But anyone that draws back, he said, my soul will have no pleasure in him. In our text, he tells us it is impossible to please God without faith. For without faith, is faith that is impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. The faith that pleases God today is what I'm preaching to you on. And that is, let's go back to our title screen. That is a faith in the present tense. When I use the term faith in the present tense, I am referring to a now kind of faith. The situation that I'm in right now, I need faith in this situation. Is anybody there? Is anybody in a situation right now that you need God and you need Him now? You don't need Him yesterday. You don't need Him in the, right now. You're just worried about this present situation that you're dealing with. Can I quote a scripture to you about now faith? For now problems. In Psalm 46.1. He said for God is our strength. And a very present help. He's our refuge and our strength. He is a very present help. In the time of trouble. Somebody needs to understand. That God is a now God. He is there in your trouble. So there's never anything. That I'm going to face. There's never a circumstance. That I'm going to walk up to. That God is not already in that situation. Somebody ought to say amen. God is already there. Even before I get there. God already knew that I was going to be there. So he prepared for that. He was there waiting on me when I got there saying, Hey child of God, here I am. If you can just have a now kind of faith. If you can believe me to do the impossible right here in the present. Right now in your current situation. He said that I'm going to be a refuge. And I'm going to give you the strength that you need to make it to the other side. Somebody ought to thank God right now. You see, God is not the great I was. God is not the great I shall be. But God said I am the great I am that means wherever I am whatever situation he is what I need him to be he's a God of now and if you can get a now kind of faith 
then you can walk away from your situation with one of the greatest miracles you've ever seen in your life. If we can learn to have faith. When I think about faith, I was thinking today about a man by the name of Abraham. Abraham is a guy that literally is a man of faith. He walks with faith. I want you to think about it. It's Genesis chapter 13. Wherever Abraham and Lot, they part company. One of them goes to well-watered plains, while the other goes the opposite direction. Now, Lot goes to Sodom and Gomorrah. We know the story. Abraham leaves for a desert land. Now, I'm sure that the devil could have tormented Abraham about this situation. He could have said, look, he got the better end of the deal. Lot ain't even a good Christian. Here you are, a man of faith. Here you are, a man of God. Look at the bad hand that God's dealt to you. He could have been discouraged with this current situation. But he understood a now kind of faith. And he understood that God would do what he promised. Look with me at Genesis 13. I want to read this to you. This is powerful. The Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, he said, lift your eyes now. When? Right now, here right now in your current situation, lift your eyes now and look from the place where you are. He says, look north, south, west, and east for all the land that you see. I'm going to give to you and your descendants forever and ever. And I will make your descendants as the dust of the earth. This is a powerful promise. So that if a man could number the dust of the earth, then your descendants could also be numbered. Anybody counted the sand on the seashore lately? You can't do it. That's why we're singing a song, Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you if you're saved. So let's just praise the Lord. Right arm. Father Abraham. Anybody ever done that song? That's too old school for y'all. That was back in 1988. Y'all don't even remember that. And you do yours, and then you do your life, and you'd walk around, and the kids loved it. We'd walk around, they'd be drunk, falling on each other. It wasn't in the spirit either. And then finally at the end, let's just praise the Lord. And then we all fall down, and everybody would fall down as we sang that song, making the point that you can't count them. We're all children of Abraham. So he said, arise and walk in the land. Through the length of it, you go the width of it. He says, for I'm going to give it to you. Everything your feet touches, I am going to give you. So what did Abraham do? Did he say, God, I don't think you can do that. That sounds impossible. I just looked down at the dirt and there is no way in this desert sand that I can tell you how many people there is. There's no way that I'm going to be the father of many nations. Lord, it's impossible. It's impossible. But what did Abraham do? He's got a now kind of faith. He believes that God's able to do it. Then Abraham moved his tent. He said, if God said, move I'm going to move. If God said go, I'm going to go. There's some of you that need to understand. There's times in our life that we want to do things and we want to go places and we want to see it happen. But God is saying it's not time to move your tent yet. You just stay camped out where you are until I tell you to move. There's some of you, you may have a job and you say, man, this is a dead end. There's no way I'm ever going to get promotion. I'm going to a new place. Bless God, they can take this job and they can just shove it. But perhaps God's saying you need to stay part where you are. Just keep your tent where it is. Because there's going to come a position open you didn't even realize was going to be open. Or perhaps they're going to name a new manager position. You never knew it. They never had it in the company. But God's chosen you for that position. Never move your tent until God says it's time for you to move. You just got to trust Him in your current situation. 
So he grabs his tent, he begins to move, he goes and dwells at the trees of Mamre, which are in Hebron. He builds there an altar to God. He just keeps on praying, keeps on believing. There's times that you've got to build an altar. When you don't see God working for you, when you don't see your miracle, when you can't see it coming, you just build another altar and you pray and say, God, just give me the strength to make it through. Help me to make it through one day at a time. I'm not going to give up on you. I'm not going to turn my back on you. The devil may be trying to cause me to have doubt. He may try to tell me I'm in a dead end. But God, with you, all things are possible. Help me to believe you now. God spoke a promise to Abraham. Now this Abrahamic promise would not come to pass that day. a matter of fact, it would take many years for this promise to come to fruition. Many years later. But present tense faith was required on Abraham's part. Before God could give him that promise that many years later he would see fulfilled. Can I tell you, I've had people come over my life. I've had prophets speak over my life. I've had people that have said God's going to do this and that and the other in you and through you. And there's some prophetic words. And I believe the men of God that spoke to me because I know their record. I, I've seen their record. I, I know. I've seen them tell people. I mean, I've seen them read their mail. I've seen them go back in the past and go all the way into the future. I've watched them do it. I've seen their ministry. I trust them. I believe they're great men of God. And so I've had people have spoke over my life and things that, that, that are going to happen that they saw. He even cried while he was giving me the, the prophetic word. I'd never seen him cry, but he cries over my life and says, oh my God, I see this right now in a vision. We were standing halfway of the pew, Pine Ridge Holiness Church. I remember just as clear as it was today. We were on this side of the church halfway back as he grabbed my hand and said, oh, Brother Jimmy, and he starts crying. He said, the Holy Spirit, I see it, I see it. We're in this building. There are so many people in the altars. The altars cannot contain them. It's just, it's a packed house. People are being delivered. People are being changed. People are being filled with the Spirit. People are being healed. And he's going through this big scenario. And many times I look back and say, have I seen that picture? And no, I haven't seen that picture yet. But there's something that I need you to understand. If God has made a prophecy over your life or if God has made a promise over your life, you don't need to give up on that. You need to continue to walk in faith day by day. A now present tense faith. And when the time is right, God will bring it to pass for you. You need to believe that today. I thought about Abraham, then I thought about this guy named Lazarus. And I won't hold you long, but I do need to share this story with you. It's in John chapter 11. The word comes to Jesus that Lazarus, his friend, is sick unto death. Meaning that he's going to die. There's nothing the doctors can do. Now, the story is interesting because Jesus, I mean, you think about it. As a pastor, I've received phone calls that have said, Pastor... So-and-so was just in a wreck. We're on the way to the hospital. Don't think they're going to make it. I didn't say, all right, well, we'll, we'll be praying for you. It's been the middle of the night. I threw my clothes on and said, well, we got to get down there. We got to pray. We got to seek God. You think it's a crisis situation, all right? So it, it requires immediate attention. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You, you just don't sit around. We got to be there and we got to be there now. We got to do something right now. But Jesus didn't drop everything. I want you to think about the story. He says, Lazarus is sick. He's about to die. Is what Mary and Martha are sending the message. When Jesus gets it, he acts like nothing's wrong. He doesn't drop everything. He just says, all right, I got it. And he keeps on preaching and he keeps on teaching. And four days later, right? This is the story of Mary and Martha. So Jesus doesn't drop everything and run to Bethany. He waits for two days before he even starts his journey. 
See, I was studying and found that there's a belief among the Jews that when someone dies, they claim that the spirit hangs around so close to that body for three days. But what they believed that was on the fourth day, the spirit and the body had surely separated. So on the fourth day, they truly considered those people dead. That is why whenever you read the story of Lazarus, how many days did they say it had been? Not one day, two day, three. It is the fourth day. And they said he stinks by now. All the Jews, everybody around them truly believe Lazarus is dead. The spirit and body have separated. He is gone. So they recognize that he is in the process of decay. Because they use the words that he stinketh by now. Now Jesus appeared on the fourth day in our story. In order for everyone to understand. Lazarus is truly dead. There is nothing a doctor can do for him. There is nothing you in your humanity can do for him. The only way that Lazarus is going to change in this situation is if a miracle happens from God. And there's some of you in this building right now. You're in the same place. And I'm in the same place. And there's times that God does this to us. He wants to see where our faith is. He wants to see if we can trust him when times are bad. He wants to see if we can believe him with a now kind of fate or if we're going to give up and we're going to bow our head and we're going to say well God you didn't come God you didn't answer my prayer God, listen God may have not have answered your prayer when you wanted him to answer your prayer but that doesn't mean God isn't going to answer your prayer he may not answer your prayer the way you want him to answer your prayer but it doesn't mean that God's not answering your prayer we got the word about my little niece and just family tore to pieces and you want to be there, but you got hospitals there. Oh, you, you can't be here. You can't come in. You can't see anybody. So I feel for families that, that deal with this kind of stuff. And then whenever they figure out that baby, when that baby comes out, the baby cries. But yet when they figure out that the bottom part of the baby is pink. And then, then when you look up top, there's blue around the fingers and there, there's blue around the lips. And the doctors and nurse quickly recognize that there's oxygen to the lower part of the body. There's no oxygen to the top. To which they begin to understand there's something that's going on here that's not supposed to go on. And then finally they figure out it's a TGA, this transposition. But it took a process of time for them to figure that out. Now this is the kicker. When you look at a situation like that, you think to yourself, God, why would you allow this to happen? Period. I mean, it's the way it is. It's just the way it is. Doesn't matter how long you've been in church. You just say, God, this does not make any sense. There are drug heads that have healthy babies. And here we are, a decent family. And this is what we get. I mean, that's, that's what you say. Makes common sense, right? And so you have to start looking around at the situation. And you have to analyze it. And you have to say, wait a minute. What's the worst case scenario that can happen here? Well, of course, the worst case scenario is the child dies. Right? Or that hasn't happened, so praise God. And then you go on and you say, wait a minute. There's got to be something else to it. So as I begin to study, what in the world does this mean? What's TGA? What's transpo transposition? I like knowing details. So, so I begin to do my research. What does this mean? What does it look like? And I'm learning all these logistics that I told you this morning. It's not because I'm smart. I read it last night. All right? So don't anybody think you got a smart doctor on the pulpit. I'm not. But as I begin to read on that, and I begin to understand right now, when I'm reading it, it says, well, this could take literally weeks to even detect after the birth of a baby. 
And now all of a sudden you're understanding a, a, a now faith. A now faith that God knows what He's doing and He knows what He's doing now. And God is with us in the present. Because what if you're at home? The baby's taking a nap. The baby loses its oxygen. It shows up. You go to get the baby. The baby's cold. The baby even at worst is dead in its crib. You never knew what happened. Oh, upon, upon research, they find and they say, oh my gosh, this, this baby had this heart defect. We're so sorry that we didn't catch it before now. So you begin to understand that even when you think God isn't working for you, and when you think God doesn't have your present situation worked out, you understand God was working even when I didn't know that God was working. And if God worked then, then God is going to see me through the rest of this mess. Somebody ought to shout amen. God is working for you now. Right now. He's a God in the present tense. So here goes this guy. Only Jesus can make the difference. I told somebody you have a week for a miracle. My God, if, 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 if arteries start switching around, then man, that's a testimony, ain't it? I've never heard of anything like that. I have heard of people growing limbs. I have heard of that. I've heard of that, that People didn't have limbs and they got prayed for and their limb grew back. I've heard miracles like that. I've never seen that, but, but I've heard of it. And I'm telling you, man, there's some things you know it's a miracle. But when somebody's dead and they're not breathing and they've been in the grave for four days and they're stinking, you know that if this man gets out of this tomb, God has worked a miracle that only God can work. And there's some of you in your situation. It may be stinking right now. And you may think it is dead. This stinks. This stinks. I mean it literally stinks. But Jesus is saying hold on just a minute. The story is not over yet. I can still speak to dead things. And I can bring them back to life. Somebody needs to understand. Your dead dreams. They may not be as dead as you think they are. All they're waiting for is the master to say come forth. It is time for you to come back to life. You've got to just have faith that God can do it. He can do it now. So here Martha hears, and I'll hurry along, that Jesus is coming. She runs to him. She expresses this historic faith. We've preached about it many, many times. Verse 21. Then Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. If you would have done what you were supposed to do, then Lazarus would be alive right now. If you wouldn't have been so busy helping other people, preaching other sermons, doing whatever it is that you do, if you had just been here, he would not have died. It is as if she is saying, Lord, I had faith the other day. You know, on day one, I figured, you know, if he gets here in time, he can heal him before he dies. And even after the first day, maybe perhaps he could still do it, but now... I don't have the faith. Or else maybe she was saying, based on what I've seen you do in the past, I just knew you could have worked a miracle for my brother. But nonetheless, it appears at this moment that her faith is on low. Like the gas in the car. You get so low after a while, it just stops. And there's some of us in this building that faith is the same way. God can put us off and put us on hold for so long that we look up to heaven and say, God, I'm on E. I can't do this anymore. And if God doesn't work a miracle, you feel like it's going to stop. You're going to give up. You just can't do it anymore. But I need to tell somebody that sometimes cars run off of fumes. 
My God, have mercy. I was driving my truck one time. I had a white Z71, and I will never forget, it's bad. We've got mechanics here. They would probably tell me the same thing that I'm fixing to tell you. It is not good to run a car low on gas. Matter of fact, my father, I believe, was believed that you need to keep half a tank in it all the time. Half a tank was E. And so to him, in his mind, mentally, so at E, or half a tank, you look at it as E, you fill it up. That's just how you do it. Don't let it drop below the half mark. That's kind of their mentality. There's trash in the bottom of it, he said. All right, whatever. I was driving that car. For whatever reason, I was working. I had my own business at the time, trimming houses and things. And so we're driving down the road. And I'm thinking to myself, when this truck hits the red, it's dead. There's no doubt. Anybody got a car like that? If it touches red, the gas is gone. My truck touched red. And when it did, I said, oh my gosh, I've got to get to the gas station. I've waited too long. And I remember I drove and I was about a mile away from the gas station. And I'm going down the road praying, dear God, please. Truck's cutting back. I'm like, oh God, it's it's really low. And so I'm driving. And I pull around. And as I'm pulling in, turning right, the truck dies. No more gas. This is no lie. If I'm lying, I'm dying. The front of my truck was about four foot from from the nozzle. I'm not lying to you. And thank God when I thought it was over and I could have just kicked the truck and said, you dumb truck, what's wrong with you? But guess what? My friend came and he put a little toe strap on it. We probably could have pushed it. But he put a little toe and he just urged it up just a couple feet. Bam, I feel that baby up. There's times in our life that our faith is going to run like that. But thank God that he always sends a little bit of encouragement. See, that's that's why your friend needs you. That's why people in your life need you. Because when their faith is low, they need you to come to them and say, hold on a little longer. You may be running on E. You may be running out. You may feel like you got to quit. But God sent me your way to tell you, I'm going to help you make it to the other side. That's why, brother, your prayer matters. That's why, sister, your phone call matters when the Holy Spirit says you've got to give them a call. And you're saying, I don't understand why. But what you don't understand is their faith in the now. Their faith in the present is dying. It's about gone. They're, they're about out of gas. But when they hear your voice of encouragement, all of a sudden they say, I believe I'm going to make it. Praise God, I think I'm going to make it. Oh my God Almighty. So here we are. Lord, I had faith the other day. Now I don't know if you can do it or not. But Jesus proceeds to inform her. He says, Lazarus will live again. What does Martha do? Does she shout and say, praise God, let's go to the tomb and get it done. When he tells her this, she shifted Her faith from the past. Watch. She starts off, Lord, if you had been here, it would happen. The faith I had yesterday would have worked. The faith I have today is gone. My now faith is gone. It's gone. He's dead. He's thinking. And then she goes towards the future faith. And she says these words. Verse 24. She shifts her her faith from the past to the future skips right over the now right over the present and she says I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day 
So now she goes to the resurrection that when Jesus comes back, dead bodies are going to raise. She knows that Lazarus' heart was right with God just like your loved ones that are in the grave. You're waiting for Jesus to come and God's going to resurrect the dead in Christ. will rise first and then all of us which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet Him in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord forever. Somebody ought to say amen. It's a beautiful thing. So I believe God in the resurrection. My brother is going to come back. So Martha sees this distant hope, but she doesn't see a present hope. But Jesus was quick to inform her of something that is so powerful. Look at John eleven twenty five. 25. This is so powerful. Jesus said to her, I am. Somebody say, I am. Not I was, not I shall be. He said, I am. This is a now God. And he says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he dies, he shall live again. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And then he asked her a question. Do you believe this? What he is asking her is, I'm a now God. Can you have a now faith? Because if I'm a now God and you can have a present now tense faith, then I can work a miracle for you. Can I say to somebody today that Jesus is whatever you need Him to be? If you need a lawyer in your life because things are going to hell in a handbasket, Jesus Christ can be your counselor and your lawyer. If you need a physician because a doctor can't help you, I declare today in the name of Jesus that He is the greatest physician that the world has ever known. My God Almighty, if you need a shepherd in the middle of your valley to lead you because you're directionless and don't know what to do, He will will be the shepherd in the middle of your valley. If you've lost your mother and you need some wisdom, guess what? Jesus can play mother too. If you've lost your father and you need a father figure to love you and to help you through the mess, you ought to go to Jesus. Jesus is everything that you will ever need. So as I close, Martha's response comes in verse 22. Go ahead and go to the piano if you don't mind, Susan. Verse 22. But even now, did, did somebody grab that? Even now. I don't, Gene, do you remember a song used to go, um, did you ever hear that song, To Me He's Become Everything? You ever heard that song? To me he's become everything, to me he's everything I need. Nobody knows that song? When I wake up each morning, he's right by my side at night. He's my last thought in mind. He's joy for each moment. He's hope that faith brings. To me he's become everything. To me, He's become everything. He's everything that I need. He's my future, my past. He's the present. He will last. To me, He's become everything. Martha, do you believe that I'm everything that you need me to be for you right now? But Martha responds, but even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. She finally found the key and the answer to her story. Faith in what God has done in the past is good. Sometimes I have to draw from it to build my now faith. There's times that I'm telling you, I have to go back to where I was and remind God, you brought me through it before, I believe you can do it again. There's times I'm telling you flat-footed behind this pulpit, just being real with you, that if I wouldn't have had a past miracle to pull from, I believe I would have quit. It's gotten that bad sometimes. 
But I pulled from my past to see the God that had done things for me that only God could do. And I held on. Faith for the future is good. Because faith for the future gives you confidence when I tell you the words. Even though it's bad right now, the best is yet to come. It's your future faith in the God that you serve that shouts, Hallelujah, preacher! But here we are. A now God is looking for a now people. God is looking for people in the present tense. A now faith to meet the situations that you're facing. Not yesterday, not in the future, but you're facing it right now. And what did God say He would do to those that believe and diligently seek Him? He said, I am a, what? A rewarder of those that, that, that will have faith. So what God is saying is if you need a miracle and you will believe Him for a now moment, He says, I'm going to give you a gift. Sometimes the gift isn't what we want it to be, but it's a gift. Sometimes it's not the way we want it to be. But we open it up and say, thank you, Jesus. I see that you're working and you're doing things that only you can do. Is there anybody in this house today that says, Pastor, I'm needing God to do something right now. And I need to have a now kind of faith. I want you to stand right now. And I want them to sing a little bit of that song that they were singing to us earlier. And I want you just to lift your hands and I want you to believe God for your miracle. Right where you are. They're going to sing it. I'm going to give you a few minutes. I want to have a, this is an altar time. It's a, it's a whole church altar time. And I want you to take these few minutes. So it's only 1144. I'm short-winded today. I want you to take these last few minutes. And I want you to tell God what you need. And I want you to let God know you believe He can do it right now. You believe He can. Sing it.